0: Broadcasting from the BET MGM studio, it's time for Inside the Jets. Brought to you by EY, building a better world.
1: Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grassa.
0: And we welcome you to another edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. I'm Dan Grassa, That's former New York Jet linebacker, Bart Scott, and Bart, not a good day at the office for the Jets once again yesterday in the home opener against the 49ers, dropping a 31-13 decision. Second straight time this year, they've dug themselves a 21-3 hole at halftime. Not the starts that certainly they drew up so far here in 2020.
1: Well, you know, they couldn't get off to a worse start, right? You talk about first play, 80 yards, untouched. You know, this is the chemistry thing. This is the not having a preseason. This is not having a, a traditional training camp. Being able to understand what my fits are and everybody understanding how important they are, the piece of the puzzle when you're trying to break a play down. You looked at what, you know, San Francisco was able to do. They were able to get a hat on a hat, but also get two for one. And you never want to do that. On defense, what makes defense so so much easier to play is that essentially it's usually 10 on 11, Right? So usually the offense has 10, he hands the ball off, and then it's 10 on 11, the quarterback's not involved. But what happens is if you don't have the proper fits, you're not playing to your leverage and being able to play complementary defense, you have untouched 80-yard runs. Now, I thought they settled down after that, but you can't put yourself at, in a hole, especially when you're playing the defending NFC champions and they've been together, they have chemistry, and we're trying to piece it all together. You know, I thought Davis, you know, the, the rookie, he's learning a, a very key lesson. Not being able to get stuck on blocks. You know, that's what college players have to realize, understand that that's the hardest thing to transition. Because now you have these grown men that aren't trying to push you away. What they really try and do is they pull you to them. Because if I pull you to them, uh, a referee can't see that I'm holding you, can't see that your shirt isn't stretched right. out. And that was like learnable moments, being able to take the arm over, get over the elbow, pull it down. Those are all things because in college you're so much more athletic than everybody. You can get away with those deadly sins. But in the league they can cost you 80-yard um, touchdown. I thought Quentin Williams flashed. Um, played well. I mean, he played very well. I think it's his best game as a pro. And Disruptive about, in
0: the backfield. Those are the things that, you know, certainly he was as advertised coming into the league. You wanted to see more from, and he flashed that very early in that game yesterday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a teachable moment, too, for him, you know, afterwards, the interview, things like that. That's something that he has to learn from
0: and understand. The I think market, he did watch the in. film, though, today.
1: Yeah, he watched the film, right? Uh, he promised he would. He promised he would. I want to report on what he saw <laughs> in the film because I want to get back to the follow-up. But, you know, that those are all part of, like, the frustrating you know, parts of being in New York media that everything is going to be able to... To be seen it's always a camera watching. there's always somebody listening and always somebody that's able to kind of legislate or be able to litigate i'm sure. sorry, the follow-up question you know because not the first one that's setting you up but it's a follow-up but he did a great job in getting penetration been disruptive and finishing you know what i mean it's one thing to get there we've seen quentin get there but not be able to finish he was able to finish and it's something to build on and guess what quentin now that we've seen it on tape now that's what we expect. You just set, not your ceiling, you just set our floor. And, and the floor for, for you is being disruptive and being able to capitalize and make big plays, timely plays. And, you know, I think, you know, that's something that we can build on, and that's what you have to start. You got to start with the positives, and he was definitely a bright
0: light. He was the best jet on the field yesterday. I thought we were talking about that in the postgame show yesterday. Gave him the player of the game award. I'm curious, though, from a defensive standpoint. You know, you talked about the first play from scrimmage, the Mostert 80-yard touchdown run. I don't know if you've ever been in a game where your defense surrendered a touchdown like that on the first play of the game. or But if you did give up an early score as a player, how do you just flush that from the memory bank? Is it something that's difficult to just let go even though you still have so much of that game to play
1: Well when, when that happens what you want to do is say hey this is a staple like junior high play this is a play that you know you run when you're in little league right it's a hat on a hat it's nothing it wasn't rocket science you know it's just more about execution and I think understanding and you can you can you can watch people on film and say oh this guy he looks kind of fast but it's a different thing when you're on the field and I think what people realize is that most are you look at 23 miles an hour I don't think Tyreek is went 23 miles no. an hour now if you knew that you had Tyreek Hill at running back you would get depth and you would adjust your angles understanding that he can break your angles I think they found that out early and you know uh, uh, other than a couple more plays the the 65 yard that got called back and you know which you know, is
0: almost like a carbon copy of that touchdown Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, you know, so those are things that you have to get cleaned up because we know in this league it's a copycat, a copycat league. And if you struggle with that this week, then you know that the Colts are going to attempt to get there, even if they don't have the running back that can get to the corner and change the angles that way. We know they definitely have the horses up front to be able to lead the way
0: no absolutely and you talk about you know an indianapolis team which we'll get to a little bit later on the week three opponent you know marlon mack is done for the season they're running back but jonathan taylor who set all kinds of records of course, up in wisconsin you know he looks to be very very track capable guy as well. track guy jersey guy south jersey guy as a matter of fact so uh the jets are going to have their hands full there you know we also had that play in the second half there in the third quarter the third and 31 conversion. I've, I've never
1: seen i've never seen that and listen this is a re- re- regrettable play um Ogletree is going to have to learn. He's supposed to be a veteran, but once again, your timing, your technique. Now, is that the case of a guy who's
0: been, you know, he was on the practice squad, but, you know, this was his first game up with the. He's he's a veteran, though. He's
1: he's a veteran and he's been in the system. And he's been in the system. He he knows the defense just as well as anybody else. What it is, is we always say this is how you start the game, especially as a linebacker alignment, assignment, technique. He had the alignment, right? He probably even had his assignment right. His technique was horrible. As a backside linebacker, your job is to stay on the backside shoulder of the running back. When he cut it back, you're the cutback defender because you had a down block. So he had an opportunity. As soon as he cut that ball back, he should have been in the backfield playing peekable with him. Your shoulders have to mirror the running back. And if a running back's shoulders are square, you have to be square, but you also have to get downhill. He didn't close the distance. He had bad eyes. And he had bad eyes on a couple of ways. A lot of the Jets, you know, had bad eyes. And if you have bad eyes, it's going to take your body where it can't be. And he gave up a big play, you know, right? And, and those are the things that kill you because that was a, a play in which San Francisco was giving up on the play. We surrender third and 31. We don't have to play for that and it goes for 55 yards
0: backed up in their end too.
1: And this is a Jets defense that has pride itself on getting off the field on third down. They have been bad at both sides of the ball early in the season and that's what you have to focus on. Hey, these are the little things that we have to do because the little things when you're going against an opponent that may have more talent than you or, or may have been together longer than you then Things that are small are magnified because you can't have a room for error. A team and a unit that has ran that play probably a thousand times, right? You haven't defended that play a thousand times, but they have literally ran that play against different fronts, different defenses a thousand times, and so they're going to execute. You have to make sure that you're executing because you may not have ran that play or went against that play, but you played in that defense, and you should understand your responsibility. We have this thing. Don't farm somebody else's land. You got a lot of guys farming other people's land. And when you farm other people's land, who the hell is farming yours?
0: And that's the whole do your job philosophy, right? Just make sure you're doing your thing what you're supposed you just, to do. I almost threw up in my mouth a little bit. You
1: can't, you can't use any patriot. It's
0: just an old expression. It wasn't necessarily going there, but you know what I'm saying. a
1: 1,000 years old, so he's probably Exactly.
0: But you mentioned, you know, third down, and that was one of the things that we highlighted before the game yesterday because if you look at the 49ers in week one and their loss to the Arizona Cardinals, they were, I think, two for 13 on third down. They had a very difficult time kind of keeping these drives extended. So yesterday you thought, all right, this is going to be an opportunity for the Jets to maybe get off the field on third down, keep those legs fresh on defense, but especially in that first half, when Jimmy Garoppolo is out there on one leg essentially yeah. and he's having time back there to pick them apart i think there were 6 for 8 on third down just in the first half alone yeah. then you have that big play in the third quarter frustrating to say the least
1: right and then you have to play complementary football on the other side of the ball you talk about time and possession being able to extend drives also being able to convert third downs and i thought they did a good job of running downhill but what happens is when you fall behind you can't keep with that right. philosophy I thought it was a little bit more creativity, not a lot more um, you know, different types of run. I understand that Frank Gore is a different type of runner. He likes his shoulders you know, squared downhill so he can fall forward for those three, four yards and give you a chance. Um, They just have to get some chemistry. They have to find an identity. I think they're in search of who they are and how they want to uh, win football games early in the season.
0: Well, and the other problem I think that they're encountering here early, and look, there's a lot of teams that are dealing with this. The team on the other sideline yesterday can speak to this. We're talking about injuries, and your depth is now being questioned. We knew coming into the season that there were going to be some spots that they were going to be tested depth-wise should a guy or two go down, and you're seeing this here at the wide receiver position, right? right? I mean, right now, Brashad Perryman leaves the game. Coach said earlier on Monday that he's week to week at this point. Still nothing definitive. But you have Perryman. You have Jamison Crowder. You've got Denzel Mims. Those are supposed to be your main three wide receivers. All three of them Look like they may not play this week. I mean, that's the way things are trending right now. And then you're down to a guy like Braxton Berrios, who's now getting reps, had a good game yesterday, scored a touchdown. Chris Hogan being used as much as he is. And this was a guy who they just signed during training camp. So depth being tested at a pretty important position now, especially when you have a young developing quarterback in Sam Darnold.
1: Yeah, you you talk about a copy of a copy of a copy. It's like it starts to become diluted. If you get the backup to the backup to the backup, it creates stress. On your team in so many different ways, because then it stretches your special teams, then it stretches, you know, stretches, you know, your offense, and it stretches your defense, and it forces other people to to do dual roles, or for somebody else to step up. And but you know, in seasons like this, and with injuries, a rash injuries all across the NFL, somebody's going to be somebody that that, that introduces their, themselves to the NFL. Right. And if I'm in that locker room, and if I'm a, one of those guys that's going to get an opportunity. I'm saying that's what's going to be my narrative. I'm going to be a guy that they say, man, where did this guy come from? You know, we we, we talk about Wally Pip all the time. Look at the
0: guy who Raheem Mostert on the 49ers yesterday. How do you think he got his chance? He bounced around from team. He was a jet practice squad guy for like a week.
1: Exactly. So it's like one of those things, right? I mean, I was an undrafted free agent myself. Right, I got my opportunity because Ray Lewis went down. You know, It's countless, countless stories of this, but if you're going to sit around and pout and complain about you know, I'm not playing, when that opportunity comes, if you're not prepared, if you're a guy that's one of the, the guys on the bottom of the roster, you won't get that opportunity twice. So you better get your mind right when you come into practice on Wednesdays and say, you know what, if we were playing well, I wouldn't get this opportunity. I'm going to take advantage of it because it presents itself. Let's get a little bit more on yesterday's
0: game with Eric Allen, Jets senior reporter, and Anthony Beck, former Jet tight end. Take it away, guys.
2: Welcome to the Jets' two-minute drill. Eric Allen with Anthony Beck. Anthony, the Jets dropped their home opener by a 31-13 score to the San Francisco 49ers. Never a good sign when you give up an 80-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage.
3: Yeah, you're right. You know, not the way you want to start a football game. You're coming out. You're trying to set the tone defensively, and, you know, there were a lot of great tackles behind the line of scrimmage, but that first play sometimes takes a little bit of the will out of what you're doing, and it doesn't set really the standard you want throughout the game. And it never really came to fruition for the defense in this game.
2: Let's go to the offensive side of the ball. The Jets did some good things in the first half. They were converting on third down. They were moving the football. And I thought the game really changed at 14 to three when the Jets were inside the red zone. Third and one Frank Gore stopped and then fourth and one Josh Adams was stopped and they never got close again.
3: Uh, a couple things on that fourth down play, you know, clearly you can't whiff on a block on the inside. You give a linebacker an opportunity to get a free hit on a back. You know, when it's fourth down and one, third and one, crunch time situations, you gotta hone into your technique and the details, and you gotta understand that you gotta secure the line of scrimmage so you give your back a chance. And that was huge, obviously, because you're trying to gain back momentum in the football game.
2: But Quentin Williams with the first two sack performance of his career, and then offensively, I thought Frank Gore, albeit 37 years old, gave this offense a jolt.
3: He did. I mean, you saw the different types of run plays being called in the football game. Everything was between the tackles. He was able to spring and get a couple nice chunk yards and plays.
2: Barrios first scoring reception of his career in the closing seconds. I thought that play was a perfect example of what Darnold can do when the play breaks down. It looked like he was going to go down for a sack, and he finally puts it in the end zone for the Jets.
3: Yeah, you know, you love the fact that he keeps pushing and going. I mean, he's a competitor. There's no doubt about it. Uh, You would expect that from him. I expect that from him. Uh, But I think overall in this football game, you do take that as a positive, but you have to find ways to generate some offense and do some things early on in the football game and be quite honest with you you have to have complementary football as well special teams defense offense all have to be meshed together when the jets figure that out things will be fine but as we see games in the nfl regardless of the jets or anybody else if you're one sided or your one side is not on the same uh you know level of what you're playing and you can't help each other and work off each other you find yourself in holes and that's what the jets did today versus the 49ers
2: anthony thanks for your time You got
0: it. Thanks a lot, guys. And Inside the Jets is broadcast from the BetMGM studio. Place your football parlays, props, and futures bets at BetMGM Sports all season long. Coming up next, we'll talk to Jets left guard Alex Lewis as he joins us in our player segment. It's Inside the Jets presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to inside the jets presented by EY building a better working world. And our player guest segment is also presented by EY building a better world. And we're pleased to be joined now by starting left guard for the New York Jets. He's Alex Lewis. Who's nice enough to give us some time here on the program, Alex, Dan Grasso Bart Scott here on inside the jets. Thanks for joining us. What are your thoughts? 24 hours after the defeat to the 49ers.
4: You know, um, Twenty-four hours after the game, right after the game, you're usually, you know, emotional, you got a lot of emotions running, you're watching tape right away. But when you separate yourself time from the game, then you can look back and be your own worst critic. You know, that's when you start pushing emotion aside and then you can look at tape and break it down and see what you guys did well as a team and what we didn't do well as a team. And then you break it down individually and say, all right, how do I get better? You know, when plays I won, it's like, all right, I'm not just checking and say, oh, I did my job there. It's, oh, how do I fit my hands better? Or how do I run my feet faster? You know, and then plays you lost, it's like, all right, let's correct where I got beat. You know, if it's an overset as an lineman or if it's not the proper uh, route as a receiver and so on and so on down the list. So 24 hours after the game, you know, it's just you got to be your own worst critic at this point.
1: Well, you talk about early in the season, there's times in the preseason and you know OTAs, training campus, really when you get your timing going and start being able to get your, your, your technique right. How hard is it to kind of be having live bullets, so to speak, and still didn't have the time, to acclimation period, one, to be able to work on those skills and get the timing right, and also to be able to get chemistry with your teammates so you can have that nonverbal communication. We all know that the offensive line is usually the closest group on the football team, but also they're the, they're the ones that take the longest to jail as a unit.
4: Oh, 100%. And, you know, this just goes back to just how we played in college. You know, you never had a preseason in college. It was it was live bullets right off the rip. So, you know, you just got to take that adversity and overcome it and get ready to go um, and do it at a very high level. You know, as a top world-class athlete, you got to be able to go when bullets are flying and, you know, make adjustments and move forward. So, but you know, when it comes to chemistry, I think our line's really clicking. You know, it's the team within the team, as an alignment, as we like to say. And um, we're taking it one play at a time, you know, one day at a time, and just focus on uh, what's important now. You know, that win acronym, and uh, you just gotta attack each day with um, the mindset you're just gonna go to work. You know, bring your lunch pail and go to work.
1: Now, I feel like you're in a unique position because. This is your you know, you're one of the only guys to kind of hang over from the last regime or from the from the unit last year. But also you have a rookie that's a little green left of you. He has tons of potential. So how are you trying to create that balance with between farming farming your own land, but also playing a role of veteran, trying to coach up the rookie about what he can do better? And, you know, kind of that unit within the unit, left side, strong side
4: you know uh, my job personally that i took on was you know being one of the only guys uh, as a carryover from last year is understanding the playbook much better and um you know i'm trying to help that rookie out as much as i can so he's not thinking you know i'm trying to be out there you know giving alerts when guys are slanting, uh, you know seeing if i see a tip if i see a te or an et coming just so that young man can go out there and play fast physical and dominate and you know he's done a great job for us so far and We're only going to get better every day.
0: You talked about chemistry and adjustments with Bart a little while ago there. Yesterday in the game, you lose Connor McGovern, your center to an injury. In comes Josh Andrews there. What type of adjustment does that force you to make, given the fact that we're only in week number two and you guys haven't spent that much time together as one unit?
4: You know, that's just part of the NFL. It's, you know, you're always one play away from playing in this league. And, uh, you know, when a guy goes down, it's tough. But at the same time, you got to have the mentality of next man up. And, uh, you know, we're not going to take two steps backwards when someone comes in. We're just going to leave off right where we were and move forward. And, you know, Josh came in and he played well for us at the end of the game. You know, it was tough losing Gov. But, uh, you know, Gov seems healthy and ready to roll. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the guys and how we reacted to it.
1: Now, you know, excuse me if I sound redundant because it's really not for you. You know, it's trying to be able to paint the picture to our viewers so that they can understand because we can talk at a, at a you know, grad, we can talk at a master level, um, but I'm trying to break it down for them. Explain to our viewers and your fans you know, what's the difference when also you have different linemen coming in that you have to work with, but also the different styles of the runners that you have to try and get chemistry with. We understand that Le'Veon's patient. We understand that Frank is more shoulders downhill, and then now you have this young rookie, P. Ryan, who maybe not doesn't have the patience to the hole and acceleration through the hole as he's just trying to figure it out, get the ball, and go.
4: Yeah, so you're asking me how, how does the O-line work with the backs?
1: Well, I'm saying, you know, you guys have, you know, it's not just the turnover as far as, you know, you're getting different linemen coming in that you have to get chemistry with, but also the different backs in which that you get in the game. You know, what's the difference between the different running styles of the backs, the strengths and weaknesses that you have to adjust to when you know that you have a different back in the backfield?
4: Yeah, you you use that word adjust. And, you know, in my mind, I I don't want to change my job depending on who's back there. You know, I'm going to go out there and just focus on what I got to do that play, whether it's a wide zone and they're asking me to reach a three technique or if it's a a backside of an inside zone and I got to get that push and collapse that backside, that's all I'm worried about is focusing on my job and what I have to do. So then it clears up those links for those backs, whether they're patient, downhill guys, or just trying to figure it out. You know, if I can paint the picture very clear for them to see, then they're going to be right every time. As an offensive
0: lineman, Alex, you know, you spend all week watching film, breaking down the opponent, and you're looking at San Francisco's defense, and you see Nick Bosa, you see Solomon Thomas, you're studying those guys, and then they leave the game with injury in the first quarter. What does that do for you in terms of the preparation that you put in during the week and building a scouting report, taking that into the game, and now not having those guys in the lineup? Does that alter anything you guys do in terms of getting ready to attack that
4: defense? You know, when they lose starters like that, you should always be studying both starters and backups, no matter what, in the first place. You should always be prepared and have a game plan against every guy you're going to face throughout the game because defense alignment rotate throughout the game all the time. And then you got to expect when they lose two starters right off the bat, you got to expect their defense to be able to ready to move and react differently now. Now they're not going to play that base defense and just straight up the field rush. Now they're gonna try and get slants in their pressure or safeties, you know, bringing a strong dog or weak dog off the backside. And, you know, you just gotta be able to adjust in a mid game, uh, look at the tape after every series and have a plan of action when you go out for the next one.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, this is your second stop, right? You're with the Ravens, you know, this is, you know, you've been with the Jets for two years. We uniquely kind of have the same resume in that regard. Uh, when I came here in 2009 and was trying to change the narrative um, about the Jets organization and trying to get you know back to the winning ways as this proud you know organization has you know hosted the Lombardi Trophy and it's very proud, it was certain things that I took from that Ravens organization that I tried to implement here. Um, is there anything that you've learned in your experiences in Baltimore that you're trying to? you know, relay the message about how winning is done and how establishing a winning culture is kind of built organically from the ground up.
4: Absolutely. You know, one thing I took from them was that win acronym, and that's just what what is important now, and that's just being where your feet are. You know, if you got a meeting that day and it's all about blitz review, that's where your mind needs to be focused. You know, uh, what tips can I see if a backer's wide or the D-line going to slant? you know? If I'm in the weight room uh, working out, it's like, all right, let me get a PR on my squat here this Monday, and you know, just get better every day. You know, I go out on the football field; it's what's important now. All right, well, I saw on tape my left hand wasn't playing with length. All right, now I need to go out in that practice, and every rep I have, my main focus is to get better with my left hand strike at practice, and that's just um, something I learned back in Baltimore, and it stuck with me. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys are, I, you know, I say to a lot of guys here in the Jets and, uh, you know, guys are catching on to it and uh, buying in. And um, we're just trying to turn this ship right. And uh, the, a lot of football left. You know, we got 14 games, just a long season. Uh, just because the first two didn't go our way doesn't mean that the other 14 will, you know. And uh, we got to put our nose to the grindstone, get to work and focus on the day that's at hand.
0: Inside the Jets is supported by Selective Insurance. Be uniquely insured. We'll have more coming up with Alex Lewis right here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Dan Grassa alongside Bart Scott. And we continue with our player guest segment, presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. And we're chatting, of course, with Jets left guard Alex Lewis. What was the atmosphere like yesterday at the stadium for you, Alex? Home opener, normally there's that pageantry and the fans and the tailgating and the noise and the J-E-T-S, but none of that was around yesterday. As a player, what did that feel like for you?
4: You know, it feels like um, a heightened practice. Um, When you don't have that fan, that energy, you know, you don't got something to feed off of. So as a player, you got to be your own self-igniter and you got to bring the energy yourself. Um, Whatever you got to do, you know, whether it's listening to music, some guys like looking at their playbooks before a game. Um, Some guys dance. Other guys put their head in a towel and just get their mind right. Um, And you got to come out there ready to play football. At the end of the day, it's a Sunday and you got to go out there and win.
1: Who's the little fire starter for you guys? Usually every unit has that guy that goes out and kind of starts the fight. He's the agitator. He's the energy guy. Who's that right now for you guys? Are you guys still trying to find out who's the guy that's going to bring the juice?
4: Are you talking about on the offensive line or the team? Offensive
1: line. Offensive line.
4: Yeah, you know, I would say George Fawn is a great captain that we voted. And, uh, you know, he's a a very passionate guy and uh, everyone wants to be Up there on his level and match it, and I think he's a a great guy to have in our room.
1: That was crazy, as you know, when I came in into the league, um, you you usually identify someone that can help you get to the next level. You always always tell people find your rabbit, somebody that you you know dare to chase. I mean, your guard. I mean, I don't know who your influences were growing up, but you played with, I believe, a first ballot or second ballot Hall of Famer, Marshall Yonder who was crazy as a box of rocks. I kind of remember, you know, Yonda, I had him as a rookie. And when I knew he was ready to go, we were, uh, we used to tase people for falling asleep. And, um, You know, it means we just tase them. I don't know. You, you do stupid stuff when you're young. So, you know, Yanda. <laughs> I think
4: I heard this story.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, So Yanda, So Yanda's sitting there. We, he's mm-hmm. like, you know, we give $100, $500 for anybody to take a tase, right? You know, he stood up. Hell, I'll take a tase, right? So, we we zap him. And, he, you know, he comes in. That's all you got, MFers, right? So, we tase him again. Never knowing that he set us up for the banana in the tailpipe. Because he's a pig farmer, and they used to play with each other since he was kids. They used to stick each other with the cattle prongs. You know what I mean? But, you know, just a crazy story about him and how professional he was coming in as a third-round draft pick from Iowa, but also just being a perennial pro bowler. And you had you were fortunate enough to be next to a talented player like that. What did you learn from him in your time in Baltimore?
4: Well, f- first thing, he said that was the easiest hundred dollars he ever made. <laughs> yeah, I wanted a rebate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think uh, just studying tape and uh, understanding defenses, uh, he was phenomenal at being able to recognize a guy's slant, you know, little tips in his stance, you know, whether a guy likes to pirate, you know, what foot does he like to have up when he pirates? And not only that, you know, sometimes defense linemen give away when they pirate, like slamming across your face, they'll even up their feet, you know, little tidbits like that Marshall taught us. And you know, to have a guy with that much experience and play at that high of a level, high of a level for that long, um, you know, it it was just, it spoke words for his presence in the room and what it did for the O-line. Um, you know, I only got to play with him for three years, two of them on the field, one was on IR, but I got to be around him, see about how he went about his business and he just attacked what was ever in front of him at that moment, you know, he never looked Three weeks down the road, four weeks down the road, or even looked back, you know, oh, let's look back two weeks. No, he was focused on what's in front of him and uh, what he had to do. And he was a man of just do your job, and that's something I always try to carry with me. You were a free agent after
0: last season, and, you know, there was still some question as to whether or not you would be back with the team here in 2020, but you did re-sign You look at it, Alex, as almost like unfinished business when you elected to come back, that you wanted to be part of the solution to help get this program up to the next
4: level? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, at the end of the year, we went 6-2, and and we left one out on the table. And I knew when I was coming back that, you know, we had that momentum going, and I want to be a part of uh, turning something around here. And. You know, I believe in Gase and the people we got in the coaching staff here and the, and the owner and the front office. Um, they're all doing a phenomenal job of giving us the tools that we need. Now the responsibility falls on us players to go out there and execute.
0: How was the turf yesterday at MetLife Stadium? You know, we saw a couple of guys in the 49ers go down with injury. You know, their coach after the game had stuff to say about the playing surface. You know, you haven't been on it that much. You had the one scrimmage and then the one game yesterday. Is it a dramatic difference based on the field you were playing on there last year?
4: Uh, personally to me, I, I could care less what I'm playing on. I grew up playing on dirt down in Arizona, so... turf's a different outcome, but you know, some guys manage it differently. And um, at the end of the day, you just got to go and play football.
1: Now, I guess, I guess what, you know, the inside scoop, right? If, if you know, do, do you play in the, the seven studs or do you decide to go with the molds? Is it tight or is it shallow? You know, what they're trying to ask, I guess what Shanahan was trying to suggest is that maybe it wasn't as deep as it used to be. How did it feel to you in that regard And, you know, wh- what have you learned is that next time you step on the field, you, you change your surface? Are you going with more of the molds or you go to seven studs? No, I wasn't even
4: thinking about it. I was thinking about reaching the three technique, you know, (laughs) shutting down the bull rush, cutting off an inside move. You know, the last thing on my mind was, oh, the grass feels funny, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha. What about another year playing with Sam? You know, now he's in his third year as a quarterback, second year playing with you. Have you seen that development, that progression, him being more of a leader in that huddle and taking ownership of that offense?
4: Absolutely. You know, Sam's grown leaps and bounds since the start of last year. You know, his ability to recognize when he's hot, you know, when they're bringing more numbers that we can block has been outstanding. Um, his leadership role has really elevated, you know, being a vocal leader when it comes to getting the energy going for guys in the huddle pregame, um, coming out of practice, making sure guys are locked in. You know, he's stepping in the huddle, telling everybody to lock in, eyes on him. And uh, I just love seeing that uh, competitive competitiveness come out in Sam. And, he, you know, he's going to grow and he's got a long career in front of him.
1: Now, what does the off day look for you? Like, how does the body feel after two, day, two games? And, um, you know, how do you kind of reset and get the body right? You know, we all talk about, you know, getting your mind right. But how do you, you know, you know maintain your durability?
4: Cold tub, hot tub, normal tech. And repeat, repeat, repeat. And then, you know, on the off day, I like to get away, Um, you know, just get my mind off football for that one day. Um, So that way, when I come back, I'm prepared, you know, whether it's just taking the girl out to lunch or going out on the boat or hunting, just something to get away, you know, take a 24 hour breather and then get right back into it on Wednesday.
0: How was the offseason for you? Certainly, the routine was probably a little bit different with the pandemic and everything. You couldn't maybe get into as much football, at least with your teammates in person. So, how did you prepare for this upcoming season given all the changes that were going on in the world?
4: You know, I was very blessed. Um, when I moved back to Arizona every offseason, I usually tend to live with a family member. Uh, I save a little money. And this offseason, I was living with my pops, and he trains old linemen uh, to get ready for the combine. And so when everything shut down, you know, we had all the setup at the house. We got a turf field out there, full-on weight room, and I had a coach. So he was out there filming me, getting me ready for my uh, footwork, hand placements. You know, we're running old line drills. We're getting after in the weight room. And so I was very fortunate.
1: Well, you know, Pop's knowing that you're making all this money now. Did he send you an invoice? <laughs> uh, he sent me an
4: invoice for that turf.
1: <laughs> I write it off, right? Oh, good. Absolutely.
0: We saw on social media you posted that you are going to have a little girl here soon. So congratulations
4: uh, on that. When is the baby due? February 6th, so I'm going to have to hurry up, you know, once we win the Super Bowl, I'll get back and uh, see the delivery. Fans like to hear that. Well,
0: congratulations, of course, to you. I mean, what are your emotions? Excited, nervous a little bit, everything rolled into one? What has that been like Yeah, for you? all,
4: all the above, man. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to expect, especially with the little girl. You know, Romy Ray Lewis is going to be her name. So I just hope, you know, she's coming out healthy and uh, everything looks good, and I'm excited to raise a little family.
1: Well, congratulations on that, man, from one father to the next. You know, it's definitely going to change your world, man, and it's going to give you perspective, and it definitely is going to improve your why. You know, we all know about the what we do, but, you know, our why has to be stronger than our what. And um, I'm telling you, it's going to change you and put some turbo jet fuel up in you, I guarantee.
4: Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear,
0: Alex, here. And, you know, when you look at your path to get to this point, where you are in the NFL – You know, do you kind of look back and you kind of trace your steps along the way and you think to yourself, you know, all the hard work you put in, the sacrifices and whatnot, it did pay off for you because, hey, you're a professional football player and a successful one at that?
4: Um, Absolutely, you know, you look back at life and uh, you learn lessons along the way. Um, You know, something I learned importantly was just how strong my family is. You know, they had my back from day one and, you know, they were there when times got tough for me You know, that everybody, every athlete goes through that giving up, that giving up phase. And, uh, you know, I just got to thank for my family uh, for pushing me, my mom and my pops. And, um, you know, making sure that I just keep going to work and uh, not focus too far ahead at at times. You know, just only worry about that one day because that was all that I could control. You know, you can't control your future and you can't change your past. So I was just focusing on that day, and I'm thankful to have the family I got.
0: Well, Alex, thanks for a couple of minutes today. We really appreciate it. Best of luck against the Colts coming up there on Sunday and the rest of the way, and we thank you for doing this.
4: Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it.
0: All right, there's Alex Lewis, our player guest segment, presented by EY, Building a Better World. Still more to do here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY Building a Better Working World. Dan Grassa and Bart Scott with you. And remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app presented by BetMGM. Go to the app store or Google Play right now and you can search official New York Jets. Let's get a little bit more into yesterday's game with the voices of the Jets, my friends Bob Woshuzin and Marty Lyons. Guys?
5: All right, guys, thanks a lot. Uh Marty, this is a really tough start for the Jets and the opposite of way that uh, I'm sure they wanted to start after a 6-2 and two finish last season. They're just not playing well enough in any of the three phases right now to get a win in this league, especially against good teams. Uh, what has to happen for them to write this ship?
6: Well, first of all, Bob, I think you got to look at the personnel. I don't know if they have the personnel on the offensive side of the ball um, to try to keep them in the game, especially if they find themselves playing from behind. Remember, there were seven new starters last week on the offensive side of the ball up at Buffalo. Five new starters on the defensive side of the ball. Today, they kick off to the 49ers, the very first play, 80-yard touchdown run. Within 12 seconds, you've spotted the 49ers, seven points. Then you're playing from behind. You go in at halftime again. The score is 21-3. to You can't really establish any tempo. any any sort of continuity, any sort of chemistry within a game. And anytime you get down by 21 points in the NFL, it's hard to come back.
5: Yeah, it's it's a perfect storm, isn't it, that you're playing with very little to no margin for error because of all of the injuries that you've got. You're four deep at wide receiver. Um, Your best running back is out. I mean, the, the top four skill position players on your offense are all not playing, so you know going in. You really have no margin for error. And then you give up an 80-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. You give up a 55-yard run on third and 31. You're really only running back probably gives you a legitimate chance to get a first down on fourth and one. Comes out of the game in Frank Gore. It's a practice squad running back going forward on fourth and one. So all of that added on top of the injuries, you know, you need an answer somewhere somewhere. To counter all of the things that are going wrong whether it's really good players coming back and getting healthy or the guys that you've got playing mistake free football they're just not getting either of that right now
6: and you know what about the only thing other thing that you could do is try to simplify the game plan and try to build the uh, game plan around the talent that you have but the talent that you have on Sunday can quickly change as we saw it happen today you have healthy individuals Next play, you go from being a backup to being a starter, and you have to be able to make that adjustment on the fly. You're 0-2. You really haven't found out who you are. You've built no identity. You have no confidence. The only way you get confidence is you got to win, and you got to get ready to play the Colts next week on the road.
5: Yep, well, that will be our next broadcast on the radio, and the Jets, I'm sure, would be very anxious to get on the field in Indianapolis against the Colts and try and right this ship. So... That will do it for us. We'll go back to you guys. All
0: right, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it, as always. Bart, let's go around the NFL here from what was a very exciting week, yeah. too, in the National Football League. And we'll start with the Sunday nighter, right? Because that literally came down to the last play with the Pats and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle finding a way to pull it out there at the end. I know that Cam got stopped there on the one yard trying to goal line sneak, but looked pretty good overall. He's showing people that, hey, you wanted to sleep on me in the offseason? You didn't want to sign me? I'll make you pay for it. Pat's got a gem there, I think.
1: Well that was the old terminator, right? If you can hit it, you can rename it and Seattle uh, renamed it because he had been throwing hot gas past them in that same play the entire game. And it was, came down to execution, right? Everybody doing their job, you know, deciding to, the the force when you know on goal line you have a force guy. Mm-hmm. Use the force guy as a safety because he has to be responsible for covering if the case is a play fake. And they always shoot up there but they they're smaller so they get knocked out, bounced around. Understanding that. Defender goes low, creates a pile, allows everybody else the time to get there so that Cam doesn't have a clear, easy path. You created a lot of traffic over there. And, listen, they got the win. I mean, you talk about it couldn't have started worse for Russell Wilson. Olsen's coming across, you know, good old faithful. Nope. Nope. Right out of his hands, right to Devin McCourty's. And, you know, you feel for, for James White and what's going on. But that was a beautiful moment for him to come in that time to be focused on the game, to stop and take a time to think about his brother who, you know, who lost his you know, lost his father in Tragedy, the car yeah. And, you know, his mother's struggling, and he decided to, to not play yesterday. So our prayers go out for James White. You know, but it was an interesting game. I think it showed you the best of what the NFL has to offer. I mean, you got to love the best going against the best. You talk about Gilmore versus Metcalf. How about that play? Oh, my goodness. And it wasn't just that play. It was also, like, the infighting, right? Like, you get some, I get some. You know, and you you don't see Gilmore usually give a big play. Still right there, but, you know, the play design, but then, you know, the scuffle on the sideline. And, you know, it was just everything that you wanted.
0: And you know what was great about that, too? You know, Sunday night football – National audience. Great game, as you said. Came right down to the finale. And normally a game in Seattle, it's associated with the 12th man, that home field. You didn't have that last night. You know, you take all that stuff away, but yet it was still a fantastic game, a great product. And it just shows you how great the sport is. It's the
1: ultimate sign of respect. I mean, it had you on the edge of your seat. Till the very end. You didn't know what was going to happen. Like, man, is he really going to try and run it with Cam? Or is this going to be one of those fake runs and Cam throws it? Is this going to be a Cam option? But you know it was Cam. And listen... You know the Patriots have a rental car that they can t- that they can t- say you know what I'm good and give it back at the end of the year, so they don't mind putting Cam Newton in harm's way. But Cam looks like he's unbothered by some of these hits and the fact that he plays with no mouthpiece. Tells me that he's not afraid of going night night.
3: And
0: what he did yesterday too, think about it. They didn't really get much impact with the run game, did New England? You know, so he did that essentially all by himself. And you know, if he could stay upright, you know, he's going to take some hits. Watch out for that team and that offense again this year. Where have we said that before, right? And Russ, on the other hand, I've said
1: it before. He no might MVP be. votes. No MVP votes. You talk about Drew Brees being disrespected. He's
0: been disrespected. He's the most important quarterback to his team in the entire sport. I'm not saying he's the best. He's the most important quarterback right. to his team in the entire sport. I mean,
1: because, look, Metcalf, he made something out of Metcalf, right. right? You know, Metcalf, you know, coming out, he was a second-round draft pick. You know, people thought he was raw and unpolished. And and all Russell has done has created a chemistry with him that they can figure things out. And he's going against the number one, the defensive, reigning defensive player of the year. And, and, and what Russell's saying is, I'll still take you.
0: How's your seat? Is your seat okay? Your seat feel okay right now?
1: Well, you know, you get a little nice little ride. It's, it's not hot, though.
0: It's not hot. I was just to say, it's not as hot as Dan Quinn's seat maybe oh, today wait. in Atlanta. Oh. How, I mean, think about this. You have 28-3 to 3 on your resume. <laughs> and I know this wasn't the Super Bowl. But then you come back yesterday, 29-10, and you can't sew that game away. And then just some of the execution mistakes down the stretch. the
1: Go to the apparent one. Right? I mean, I'm surprised Julio Jones, I'm surprised they froze. I mean, because you can, as a as a as a the receiving team, you can touch the ball right before it actually gets to the line of scrimmage. They can't hit you. And think about this: there.
0: the onside kick. Now, the way the rules have been redrafted, it's supposed to make it even more difficult right. for the team to recover. And yet, somehow, the Cowboys. Well, did. spinning
1: top. That's what happens. And, that, and that's one, once again, I don't want to say you can blame it on the pandemic, but what happens is you haven't been put in those situations. Everybody's looking for these end over end type of uh, kicks now you know you create a spinning top so to speak and it takes 10-15 seconds to get there and you just hover over the ball and then you know that was just a bad job because the guys didn't seem like they had a procedure they didn't have an SOP they didn't have a standard operation procedure because if I'm the the, the Hayden Hurst all you guys on the front line your job is to go actually hit somebody and let Julio figure it out behind that's his job Farming somebody else's land early in the season costs you a, cost you an opportunity. And this team should be at least one and one. And we should be in here talking about Dallas and what's going wrong in Dallas. Let Mike McCarthy off the hook.
0: Mike McCarthy off the hook again. Going for a two-point conversion down by nine there late in the game. a one I'm so
1: sick of the nerds coming here with the IT tech, Simple math. And, 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 the, and the DeVry Institute coming with these analytics. Because sometimes, you know, you got to be able to go with your gut. And you can't leave points on the board. And, like, it's like, come on, man. Like, What are we talking about out route, you know thrown by your punter? I know most punters are former failed quarterbacks, but the, the important part is failed quarterbacks.
0: That's a good point. Last thing here, we should talk about Justin Herbert. Not a bad debut with the Chargers. Yes, didn't win, but, but took the champs to overtime. And how about for a guy, you talk about a moment's notice, he finds out 10 seconds before the game starts that hey, you're up. Played pretty darn good.
1: Well, exactly. And then Anthony Lynn surprised that he said, hey, if Tyrod Taylor's um, healthy, he's going to play. I, listen, has any guy been Wally Pipp more than Tyrod Taylor? I mean, you look at him, it happened to him in Buffalo. Then it happened Cleveland? to him in Cleveland. Now, for the third time, you know, if I'm him, I'm walking around with bubble wrap, you know, make sure that I don't hurt myself doing anything. A rib injury, like, oh man, and it's it could unbelievable. Be over. It could be the beginning of the end already for Tyrod Teller. But you know what? In this current environment, backups make pretty good damn money.
0: They do indeed, and some of them could stick around for a long time and have a nice career. Can only keep the champs down for so long. Patrick Mahomes eventually got going in that second yeah. half, and you talk about ice water in your veins. How about Harrison Butker, the kicker? Oh my, <laughs> Three? Three tries, and he ultimately had to nail a 58-yarder, his second of the game, to boot the Chiefs to a victory there. Oh, Unbelievable.
1: But that's what the NFL is all about, and that's why I Reign supreme. Even though the Lakers were playing yesterday, nobody cared. They wanted to watch football. They didn't care what football any football would do because football is greater than basketball.
0: And by the way, LeBron James wonders why he doesn't get MVP votes because you got that guy on your team who made the game-winning shot. That's why you're not getting as many MVP votes. He's Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grassa. Thanks for listening to us here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world.